Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, welcome, FI Europeans. Today, Alvar's with me, we do another Community Friday episode, and the topic for today is uh, how to prepare for a recession. People are talking about a recession and that there will be a market crash since 2015 or 2014. I haven't seen one until now, but uh, I think definitely there will be one. So that's why it's always good to, to, to check. Are you prepared? What is it? What is a recession? How does it come from? And uh, how to spot it? Uh, maybe also before uh, with me in the studio. We actually I don't have a studio, but with me in the studio is Alba. Say hello. Hey, Matthias, good to be here. And um, so let's dive directly into the topic. Uh, I would say, um, first of all, what is the definition of a recession? And by recession, I don't may mean depression. Aber could you explain maybe the, the difference between recession and depression? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I would say, let's get started first, what a recession actually means. So if we have negative economic growth for two quarters in a row for six months, That's effectively what uh, people consider as the definition of a recession. And my take on that is kind of similar as well. I mean, that's a statistical definition of it. From my point of view, like when do we really end up in a recession? When economic growth slows down, when we really see big job losses, the news turns crazy negative for long-term periods, uh, and, and you just see things changing from an economical perspective. Sometimes inflation also goes up to certain heights. That combination, that's just what I see as a recession. I have only experienced 08 myself as only through a recession. And that's kind of, I was 60, 17 years back then. And that was my experience mainly with it. And in terms of actual, yeah, like kind of like the different stages we've got and the percentage we can work with. So we've got the actual correction, 10%. We've got the bear market, which would involve 20% and above 30%. Yeah, we're talking about an actual full-on depression, which we're not going to cover right now because that's not the point. But uh, those are kind of like the stages people often talk about. Matthias, if you kind of like have that description of a recession, like obviously we have the statistical explanation at Sitfer, but during 08, what, what did you experience yourself of the recession? How was it in real life for yourself? Um, in 2007, 08, There was yeah, some financial problems in the world, as you have uh, heard, maybe. And I lost my job. So first of all, um, I start I started my first job in these days in 2007-8. And first of all, I had to just work four days instead of five because there was not enough work to do. And then I lost my job and had to look for a new one. Actually, it was a nice time um, for me. But um, yeah, I had to look for a new job. And yeah, then I started my new job. Um, yeah, recession, I would say, is, um, so when do we expect a new recession and, and why does it happen? It's, for example, it could be a kind of fake success, you know, the real estate, if the real estate prices are going too high or if there's a trade war uh, between a couple of, uh, yeah, between Asia and the USA, for example, uh, that could slow down the economy. So, Matthias, um, what I'm also curious about, we've kind of covered the actual definition of the recession now, what it means, but what causes these things to happen? Yeah, what are the economic phenomenons that cause this um, to start? So could you explain a little bit on that? 
Um, for example, there could be uh, fake success like the real estate bubble in, in the US. You've seen that. Um, there could be market manipulations. There could be a war between different countries where there's fear in the market. And there could also be a trade war, for example, like China or US. It could also hit the, the growth in the world and uh, slow down um, the economy. But recession doesn't mean that, that it's too bad. It's not a depression. So it could maybe mean that the growth is slower than normal. Could also be in, could result in an increase of the employment, but it couldn't, don't has to be, it's not a crash. It do doesn't have to be too bad. You know, that's also, you have to see what kind of recession is it. So we've kind of covered now uh, what the cause of the recession uh, can be. And what I also think is important and kind of like discuss, can we actually forecast it? Are there certain indicators or things we can see around in the market and life that will say, is a recession coming? Yes or no? Uh, we'll start with a spoiler straight away. Nobody can truly forecast slash time when a recession will come. But there are a number of indicators that are really highly valued within uh, the personal finance and bank worlds. And we'll discuss a couple of those um, for information purposes. And just, well, it's good to be aware of them. So to get started with that, uh, Matthias, could you tell our audience a little bit about the inverse yield curve or otherwise uh, mentioned as the inverse interest rate? I'll try to explain that. Um, so as I understood, banks make their money by lending long term and giving loans to their customers short term. And they pocket the difference. So therefore, they have to get money at, um, at a lower interest rate on the long term to be able to to get a higher interest rate from, from their customers. And um, negative, uh, so the inverse in interest rate means that the uh, long-term treasuries are cheaper than the short-term. It means that the long-term treasuries, the interest rate is higher than the ones of the short-term treasuries. And uh, that's a problem for the banks because they, the, the business model doesn't work anymore. So and currently the uh, interest rate curve is getting negative. And that has been also the case in 2000, 2007, a couple of months ago, before the stock market dropped. And that's why it's considered to be an early indicator, as you see, a couple of months before um, before a recession or a market crash happens, um, that it actually uh, comes. And the problem is that right now, the Federal Reserve is um, keeping the interest rates uh, low. So it could be different now. So one thing I think it's also important to mention is that um, right now, so obviously the indicator, the in first yield curve has been used as a pretty okay indicator in the past in terms of predicting recessions. But right now what we've got going on with quantitative easing, quantitative tightening, all at the same time by central uh, different central banks, this has never ever happened before. This kind of um, effectively supply of free money being uh, pumped into the market that might potentially disrupt things. So what does that mean? that we simply do not know. It's too complicated, it's too difficult to purely make predictions based on these indicators, but they make for a really interesting discussion because if this thing or if this indicator would truly predict it, everybody would play on it. Um, and that actually interests me quite a lot, but there are more of them and ones that are a bit more um, tangible slash understandable for our real lives, I would say. Uh, but yes, could you maybe cover a couple of those? Uh, 
I think that would also be interesting for people just to kind of like hear, okay, there's more than just a random chart out there that predicts my future in terms of recessions. Um, yeah, you can also recognize a recession from the GDP growth. So it, uh, gr um, slowing slowing growth rate um, also shows you that there is a recession and could also be a negative growth rate. Then there is um, the unemployment rate, for example. You can see people are getting, or when this is increasing, then it could also be a recession. But the unemployment rate, I think it's it's too late. It's not an early indicator. It's an it's a later indicator, because um, yeah, you you would um, fire people or lay off people when you have worse business results, and the business results are also coming later. Um, so when the recession already started, so yeah, you can also see, for example, if more and more investors are moving into quality stocks and also buying um, metals or precious metals that could also be an indicator um either do you have any more indicators yes what i would add as well is the investors confidence so there are quite a few indexes out there for example of suppliers of purchasing managers and companies in general in terms of confidence they've got in the economy and market and those uh, might not be the most accurate ones but they make for a strong indication if you look at them over time. So how much trust do people have or confidence in the actual market, in their own companies, in the short term slash long term future? So and the last one I would like to mention is actually inflation, which not necessarily is the best possible indicator. But if, if inflation goes up like crazy, it can definitely uh, be worth mentioning having an eye on. So those obviously, you know, now we've kind of covered what is the, does a recession mean? Um, what is causing it? What the heck is making this phenomenon to uh, come up? And the indicators, as in how can we kind of like see it coming? Which is all nice and good, but let's say, you know, I kind of have a feeling a recession is coming or I see lots of things happening and I make me nervous. How do I protect myself against it? Even if I cannot time it exactly, what can I do? So Matthias, could you maybe run the audience through kind of like what kind of options have we got out there to protect yourself against the recession? Uh, what is always good uh, is to have some cash on the side. So I currently have uh, 25 to 30% um, cash in the Tash, we would say in Germany. And um, yeah, and you could, of course, there is opportunity um, because um, yeah, price, prices are dropping and you could just easily buy something. And also if you, uh, for example, you lose your job um, or some, some clients, you could also um, live from your cash uh, a certain amount of time. Uh, what I would also do is maybe to avoid major real estate investments right now in Germany. It's really expensive. Although some people are getting good deals, um, the majority is not. And it might be good to just delay your major real estate investment uh, for a couple of years as people have to um, sell their, their properties um, because they can't um, pay back the, the loans of the, of the banks and also the, the loans will be recalculated by the banks. So they um, might have to sell a property uh, in emergency sales. So you could really make a good deal. Um, another opportunity is or another way to, um, to protect yourself is to hedge your risk. Uh, what many people are doing, as you see right now, is they, they buy gold. Um, they have, um, for example, they have stocks, but they have, they need a counterpart so that there's not too much volatility in their overall portfolio. That's why many people buy gold or silver 
or other precious metals. And um, what is new asset class is, is cryptocurrencies. Um, some people also see that that Bitcoin is the new gold. They say that or they believe that, and what, that is what is important, what people believe. And uh, I've also read an article that peer-to-peer -peer, uh, loans are behaving different than um, than stocks. So that could be also seen as a counterpart um, or a hedge uh, to hedge your risk. And uh, another one maybe is the volatility. So if you the v VIX, you could maybe have a volatility ETF or you you could have some yeah some volatility securities because. When there's fear in the market, as the volatility is increasing, and if you have some volatility ETF, you, the, the price goes up for that, and it, so your overall portfolio can be yeah not so crazy volatile. Two points I would like to make, and one question. So um, in terms of points, what I find really interesting, Matthias, is kind of like how you approached um, hedging perspective slash alternatives, because... In the past, bonds would always have been considered as, and maybe gold as well, as the only viable alternative to go into slash something that's extremely safe. But the other examples you've mentioned, crypto, peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, potentially volatility as well, like combining those might be actually really valuable um, and obviously linked to the articles Matthias mentioned in the show notes. Uh, and if it's exactly the, the best thing to do, that's up to yourself. But having the options out there is definitely worth considering. And the next point kind of would be in terms of real estate investments, when you said leave them off and correct me if I'm wrong, but what my take would on that would be why is, does it matter like not to do them right now? It's because you leverage your deposit like 5x over and that will um, fire back to you like big time if an actual recession would hit. So leveraging uh, right now might not be the best thing to do, um, obviously up to your own judgment. But that principle, if you have your stocks or whatever and they go down to zero, well, you've only lost 10. If you uh, um, leverage them times six and you lose 60, it hurts a lot more. And then kind of like the last question I would have as well, Matthias, what does hedging actually mean? Because we've kind of covered like now we've told people, hey, you should hedge, you should this, you should do Y, Z, et cetera. But what, what's the definition of hedging from your point of view? Um, of what I understood is hedging is, um, so you have one asset that under certain conditions goes up. And then you have additionally the, the counterpart that under this, the, the, the same circumstance is going down. <laughs> so um, that's that's what I have in mind. And that's how I explain it to me. Um, maybe you have a better explanation for that. No, I agree. It is just effectively managing your own risk, finding counterparts through that via certain instruments. And if that's another asset class that counters... Uh, your volatile one because it goes up slash your other one goes up slash stable. That's all good. But no, I agree definitely with that one. And one last point on the volatility aspect. One uh, share I am buying personally is called Flow Traders, ticker FLOW, Flow. Um, not a recommendation, obviously, on research, but in terms of an actual share that go, well, earns money when the market is more volatile, I quite like them. They pay 6%. So I quite like them. They pay 6% dividend yield. They don't have any debt. They're quite stable and um, they effectively earn money. The more volatile the market is, the more they earn. So that's one of the shares I've added to my portfolio because of recession avoiding reasons and because I find it an interesting company. Anyway, so I think those uh, make for good ways of kind of like countering it and acting against it. 
And that's obviously all nice and good, but we're kind of effectively trying to time the market, right? And see us like by doing this a little bit, you know, we're saying we expect this to happen. And I think we can make many good arguments on why it will happen for sure in terms of economic cycles and it has to happen at some point. And we cannot have decades of economic growth uh, that will never, ever end. Um, exception Australia, what is it, 22 years straight without a recession? But anyway, kind of like those are the arguments we keep making. But by wanting to act on it, we're kind of like trying to time the market. Do you think trying to time the market or is it just common sense what we're trying to do? I think um, we, we're kind of trying to, to time the market. You could also do not try to time the market. For example, in my stock portfolio, I try to buy or I'm, I'm buying stocks that, um, so I have different stock portfolios, but in one, the one um, that I manage myself heavenly is um, that I have stocks where I believe that they will earn more and more money over the next 15 years, that they're really strong companies um, with, a, with a growing business model. And I, I really believe in them. Although I also add um, companies for, for diversification um, that are also re recession-proof, I would say. So man, what many people are doing is, is investing more in quality stocks like Nestle, like uh, alcohol companies, like um, pharma, pharmaceutical companies. Um, so um, that's also what I consider is, um, for example, if you are invested in a, in a fashion company, that's, uh, that's the thing uh, where most people will cut back their ex expense in a recession. So um, that's why I would invest also in things that people really need, like water, <laughs> like food and so on. Uh, anyway, so I would not say I try the market. I try to time the market. I try to be overall always um, recession recession proof in my in my overall portfolio and i'm right now i also i have cash but i always have the cash that has other reasons so that's why i'm i don't think i'm timing the markets maybe I, i'm doing a bit of stock picking or factor investing and not not being totally diversified yeah but that's what i think i think that's a fair call matthias and if that works for you and if it gives you good returns it does a job or why not so anyway, guys, I hope this offered some value in terms of what a recession means and how you can prepare for it. Um, we have to mention one more thing, invest in your skills, um, because that is also what keeps you working and earning money in a recession. So be too good to ignore. And right now is a good, it's always the best time to invest in your skills to be in demand. Very fair, Colin. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed doing this one. I hope this offered some value. So, Matthias, thank you so much for joining in. And yeah, have a good day. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? 
Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.